0: Hey there, and welcome to the One Church podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. It's great to see you from all locations. I've got a message that I feel God's put in my heart for you today. It's absolutely fabulous. What what I feel God's doing in our churches at the moment is is, is trying to help us understand our role in serving the world, that the revival that God's putting inside of us isn't just to be kept inside the box. It's meant to be taken outside. Uh, It amazes me that how when every single day when I say, God, will you give me an opportunity, give me a chance for a divine connection? Every time I pray that, I don't know whether it's just something in my mindset, but I start to look for a, a divine connection. And it is amazing that God does those moments. The opportunity just to pray with someone in, you know, just in, outside of this box is a wonderful opportunity. And this is not reserved for the professionals. This is something for every single one of us to serve in this way and that's so I think these times here when we come together are like a refueling time it's a time like when we go into the garage like you're only meant to be in there long enough to get your fuel and then go into the shop and whiz around really quickly to pick up a bit of ketchup, you know, a sandwich or something, and sweets for your wife, and uh, uh, just to rush in and out. Please don't be one of those people who parks outside the pump and then just meanders around, just oh. thinking around what you're doing. No, 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 you'll upset the whole world there. Like, this is the whole point. Come in and refuel so you can go out to where God's called you to go out. This is what we're doing today. We're filling you with fuel and a few extra bits and pieces, a few sweets, to enable you to go where God's called you to go. Are you getting this? That's really good. Have you ever ate in a restaurant so posh that the portions are so small you had to stop at McDonald's on the way home? (laughs) has anyone actually done that has anyone gone out uh, and the portions have been so small like you've been driving home going should we go to kfc just just to pick up a takeaway anybody done that yeah there's a few of us like the meal tastes fantastic it's just too small right Uh, anyone here is a parent you might know this have you ever got your son's winter coat out only to discover he's grown out of it like, it's not until he's put it on that the sleeves are up here, and you're like, ah, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that, yeah, you've grown, and this coat is now too small. I actually find most of my clothes shrink in storage. Like, uh, I, I, put, I put my uh, winter clothes up in the loft, and, uh, uh, and when it comes down, I think, God, oh, that loft just shrinks all my clothes. Like, I don't know what's going on. There's something really crazy there. I, I remember on a mission trip to Brazil, I went to Sao Paulo, San Paulo, and uh, they, uh, we were on a team, and they said, we've got a 10-seater minibus to, to bring, uh, get you all around, which is very useful when there's nine of you, or 10 of you, to get on the bus. What it actually was, was a a five-seater SUV that they'd converted into ten seats. They literally had three in the front, four in the middle, three at the back, like the England formation. Like it was literally, they, they just assumed that everybody had tiny bottoms. So the ten of us squeezed into this, this, <laughs> it was just a regular SUV. It was just a, a, a car. and I remember sitting on the end and the the seat was designed with a lip like that so when I sat down I couldn't get my entire bottom onto the seat it was the most awkward journey and everything took two hours it was not good I I feel like I'm reliving it in front of you (laughs) but this vehicle is too small Whether by preference, necessity or future planning, we have all at times ended up in a place where something is too small. 2 Kings chapter 6, read this with me, 2 Kings chapter 6, just seven short verses, says this. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to live and he said go then one of the servants said won't you come please come with us he said I will and he went with them They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Lord Jesus, please help us as we open your word today, that it becomes life to us. So that we go out of here changed, refueled, ready to serve your world. Amen. So who were these company of prophets? So there's there's this group of uh, young men who just used to wander around the country. Just a little gang of them. I can. If you, if you lived in a village and you saw a gang of young people coming towards you, young men, you'd be going, "Oh, this is going to be dangerous." Oh no, this is dangerous for different reasons. Because they would turn up in a village or a community and start prophesying and encouraging everybody. They were a gang of encouragers. Isn't that amazing. Like, and they would just lift and bring positivity and the word of God and bring life. Sometimes they'd tell you off, but they would listen to God and bring it to the community wherever they went. They just wandered around, this company of prophets. I, I, can you imagine being part of that? They'd wake up in the morning, living in a community like this. They would start the morning by saying, you're fine, how am I? Yeah. All right. To the best of our understanding, they would gather and roam round. And they they would normally attach themselves to a prophet. So like Samuel, we knew there was a company of prophets that attached themselves to Samuel. These are the ones who prophesied over King Saul and said before he was king that he would rule with God's favour on his life. How affirming to be in a group like that. I wonder if the modern day term for a company of prophets was maybe a company of dreamers. People who just went and wandered around from village to village, just starting places to worship, going to pray in places, just encouraging people. As you saw the company of dreamers come towards you, you were like, I am just going to be blessed. What a reputation that when someone comes towards you, that you look at them and go, that person is going to bless me. What if we became that person who was the blessing carrier? What if we became that group? What if we became the company of dreamers that were renowned for bringing blessing wherever we went? Wouldn't that be a great reputation? Who are you attached to? Who do you hang out with? that tells me a lot about you who you hang out with the more you hang out with people who are part of the company of dreamers you become known as the company of dreamers yourself you become part of that reputation even when you don't feel like you've got anything to offer because you're in the gang everybody expects something and so you start to give beyond your actual expectation You get lifted by the people who are around you. Or you get pulled down by the people who are around you. Leaders, have a look. You call yourself a leader. But if no one's hanging around you, it's the old saying, isn't it? He who leadeth and no one followeth is just going for a walk. (laughs) Let's be leaders that draw people, that are encouragers. That we form the company of dreamers together. The first thing the servant said to Elisha uh, in uh, verse one, he says, "Look." Do you know what? There's people who look but they can't see. There are people who they they live without vision. There are people who get caught up in the mundane. And Charlie brought it so, so clearly. Like the they, circumstances, my door's falling off. My windows are falling out. My wall's falling down. That's the person who can look but can't see. But the person who knows their foundation is on Jesus. Oh, they can look and they can see because they have vision beyond the circumstances they're in. Like the ability to have vision in the circumstances you're in is a God-given speciality. This is why we come together to remind ourselves how to look, how to look. One of my favourite stories about this is when uh, Disneyland was first built and Walt Disney had passed away before it happened. And uh, the the directors and owners of... uh, this uh, this uh, playground we're looking, and one of them turned to Walt Disney's wife and said, "If only Walt Disney was here to see this." And in a quick as a flash, she turned to him and said, "We are here because Walt Disney saw this." Yeah. Can you see the difference? The ability to see beyond what you can see. The ability to have vision beyond what is happening around you. This is what sets us out as different people. Not to talk about what everybody else is talking about. To put a comma at the end of a circumstance that says... But God comes in after the end of it. Let me give you an example. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills this week. comma, but God says He will provide all my needs. I don't know how I'm going to get through this health situation. Don't put a full stop there. Comma, but God. That is someone who speaks with vision. That is someone who the, has the ability to look beyond the circumstances they're in. Vision compels us to go. and and Jesus it says in Mark chapter 6 when he saw a large crowd he had compassion on them he just didn't see the problem he saw that they he could do something about it something vision stirs something deep inside of you compassion it literally means your bowels are moved use your own imagination (laughs) but that's the literal translation in other words when you've got to go you've got to when vision compels you, when it stirs you with compassion, because he saw that there was sheep without a shepherd. Vision moves us. Nehemiah is an example of this in the Old Testament. Nehemiah, he saw, he said, I don't think that's what God wants. I don't think, this is how it starts sometimes, I don't think that is God's best for that community. When you start asking that question, you are starting to see something that God has put inside of you. Hear what I'm saying here. When you start to look at something and go, that's not right. There's a sense of injustice inside of you, not because of your own gain, but you know that God doesn't want it that way. Do you know what I'm saying here? God doesn't want this. When you have that sense, God is stirring vision inside of you. Start to become curious. Start to become inquisitive. Move towards that. Don't be fearful of it. If God is stirring you to say, that's not right, don't run away from it. He's showing you that you are the person who's going to add value to fix it you say how am i going to do that i don't know all i know is things come clearer when you move towards them Then then this declaration this place is too small there are different aspects of this you can have a personal aspect of this god is at work in you he needs to grow you in preparation for the giant ahead You have become too small. But God sees that you are bigger than you think you are. David is a real example of this. David gets anointed as king. And he goes, wow, this is amazing. The next next day, he's back on the field looking after the sheep. He's thinking, what's going on here? I'm pretty sure yesterday the prophet anointed me to be king. But here I am looking after sheep. God says, I'm preparing you to fight lions and bears on a hillside because you don't know it yet. You're going to face a giant one day and you're going to know exactly what to do. I'm preparing you today quietly because you are too small. I'm preparing you for a big moment. Right? And this happens when you realise that you personally are too small. It, it's physical as well. And this is what the guys were talking about. The the company of prophets, they turned to Elisha. They said, this place is too small. If you give a five-year-old a glass to fill up with water, she'll turn the tap off before it gets to the top. You watch. Give a five-year-old and say, can you fill that with water, please? They they don't stand there going... "Mm." They know the size of the container. They turn the tap off. In other words, the limitation of God's blessing on your life is not what pours from heaven, but how big the container you're going to take. And the answer isn't always getting one big giant container. Elijah, who was the prophet before Elisha, He turned to the woman he said, I'm going to pour out your blessing. Collect as many pots and pans as you possibly can. And with a small pot of oil, he poured into the first pan and it filled up. So she quickly put another pan. And he said, don't you run out of pans. Because as soon as you run out of pans, the oil will stop flowing. You've got to create spaces for people to encounter Jesus. And I feel God's put this on my heart for us as a church, for all our churches, create spaces so more people can find Jesus. Create spaces. It's not about one big giant space, it's about creating space, after space, after space, so more people, so we more people can encounter Jesus that there's an expansion to our vision. Expand, expand, expand. And then, of course, you have the mentality that this thinking is too small. I don't think God could do that. Then it don't happen, does it? It's the oldest trick in the book. As the serpent comes to Eve and says did God really say that oh the day before you were going, God I believe you've got to do something miraculous in my life I believe you're changing me you're you're growing me you are making something great inside of me I'm believing for this and then the doubt comes doesn't it and the serpent whispers did God really say oh not really sure did God really say and our thinking shrinks. Can we make sure that this is as big as this? So the great big God can use something much bigger than we've ever been involved in before. You've met these types of Christians, aren't they? They, 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 they always seem to have a glass half empty approach to everything. I Come on, don't do the devil's work for him. Don't be the person who casts doubts on someone's vision and expectation. Don't be the person that says, let's just, let's just make that a bit smaller, shall we? Like, of course we've got to do the planning. There's wisdom. I don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. But there are people, I call them wet duvet Christians. They come up to you. You know, if you've washed a duvet, I'm well experienced in this. If you wash a duvet and you pull it out before you've dried it and it's sopping wet, like it is so heavy and soggy and cold and horrible. Uh, there are some people who live their life like that. They're like duvets that are constantly soaked and they come towards you. <laughs> <laughs> you're like are you trying to get away because you know as soon as they get close to you they're going to go (laughs) like oh life is so terrible oh life is so difficult oh now don't hear what I'm not saying again there are times when we have to share burdens with one another agreed But if you pick up the reputation of being a wet Christian duvet, people are going to run away from you. Because you never seem to have any faith. You haven't activated your faith. Let me tell you, dry out your duvet. And you'll bring warmth to people rather than doubt. You will bring warmth to people. Also, there are hindrances to blessing. You need to understand this. And I've just, can we just put this on, on, the, on, a, on a slide for everybody so you can take a photograph of this? Like, there are, it's different. You're going to have to take a photograph and do some work on this. I just did a quick study on this. Like, if you live in disobedience or double mindedness, if you're not seeking the kingdom of God first, if you don't have a heart for the poor, if you cherish sin in your heart, If you've broken a vow or you treat your wife with disrespect or husband or have broken fellowship with the brethren, withholding your tithes and offerings and not honouring your father and mother. The Bible is very clear. If you do these things, God will withhold his blessing. You will find yourself in a smaller place because God won't bless sin. Full stop. So, this place is too small for some people because they live in sin. And you've got to learn to break out of that and get into God's agenda and recognise that when God speaks to you, he gently and lovingly comes to you and says, there's a few things you need to sort out. Otherwise, you're going to be dragging yourself forward and you're going to, why am I not able to run? You're not able to run because you haven't tended to the sin or the wounds of your past. Go and deal with those things. Go and apologise. Open up your wallet again. Cycles of doubt and fear will hinder revelation. Withholding your generosity will inspire smallness of vision. Dishonouring your parents will create smallness of thinking and vision. These things are in the Bible to help us. And by simply putting them right, you'll find that you open yourself up. To God's blessing on your life, and you'll move and start to realise I can't live here anymore. This place is too small. I need to step out and move into something fresh. Really quick, they came up with an interesting strategy. Go and get a pole. That was their strategy. What we're we going to do? Go and get a pole. It was a simple, powerful strategy. This is about ownership. What can I do to contribute to the vision? Don't be limited by what you can't do. Maximise every effort to facilitate what you can do. In 1 Peter 4 verse 10 it says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Can you bake a cake? Then bake a cake for Jesus and go and give it away. Or bake a cake and sell it and bring the offering to church. Can you sing or play an instrument? Join the band. I can play an instrument. Apparently there's a problem in the other department. Can you smile for England? Then join our welcome team. Can you see God can use the smallest of things? It's just about bringing it and saying, could you use this for your glory, God? But how can God use this? Well, unless you bring it, nobody knows. Nobody knows. In fact, if you're new here, you're the best person to welcome people. Because you know what it feels like to walk through that door. You can make, help people feel at home. Share your faith with someone. I thought about this the only thing you can take to heaven is the person you brought to Jesus. I'm a bit, I have an imagination. I love the idea of just standing there worshipping Jesus and having a sneaky look down the line and going, no, thank you, Jesus. They're here. Last week I was preaching at a friend's church. His name's Pete Jordan. If you're watching Pete, he's the pastor there. Lovely guy with his wife Teresa. And he introduced me and he said all the nice superlatives that are slightly embarrassing before you get up to speak. And he said, Simon and I used to go to the same youth group. And at 17 I walked away. I walked away from church, I walked away from Jesus, and for 10 years I totally messed up my life. He says, and then I walked back in one night, and I sat at the back, he says, and Simon came and sat next to me. He says, I I felt lost, I felt out of it. He says, and Simon brought me back home to his home and made me cheese and Marmite on toast. (laughs) Split the room immediately. He said, and that night, Simon helped me find my way back to Jesus. I, I don't remember that. All I know is I was good at making cheese and Marmite and toast. I didn't realise that it was, it was a pivotal point in someone's life. All I knew is you put the bread, you toast the bread first don't don't do it don't do it with you know make sure there's a hard base and uh, then you put the cheese on make sure the cheese goes to the edges don't leave or oh, don't let the oh otherwise it will burn and then spread the marmite as thinly as possibly as you can i, I the next teachings the next teaching course is on how to make cheese and marmite on toast on thursdays after soul winners And I will uh, set the world alight with my amazing... The trouble is, some people will love it, some people will hate it. It's a bit like soul winners. You share Jesus, some people, "Mm, no, thank you. (laughs) But I took my cheese and Marmite toasty and said, Jesus, could you use this? And today there's a pastor in Brentford Wood. Who's married with his with his kids, serving Jesus faithfully, because this guy decided to make cheese on toast with marmite on it. Is there anybody out there who wants to join the cheese and marmite on toast ministries? It's all I have. It's all I have. But I'm gonna bring it anyway. This church in 2 2 Kings chapter 6 grew because everyone grabbed a pole. This church in Gloucester... And these churches in the One Church Network will grow because everyone uses the talent that God's given them for the glory of God. Hear me, you have a part to play. In Matthew 25 it says, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and trusted his property to them. He gave to the first five talents, the other two talents, the other one talent, each according to his ability. And he said, go and make those talents work whatever god's given you double it double it whatever god has given you double it do not hide your talent do not hide your talent most of us say god if you send the miracle then i'll go then we see earlier there was a miracle where an iron axe floated let me tell you something the miracles happened because they went You've got to realise you go, then the miracle comes. Not miracle, then you go. Like God is needing someone to step out and say, I've got this, can I use it for the glory of God? The answer is yes, yes, yes. Surely there's some people in the room who can help us at Christmas to welcome everybody. Surely. Surely there's some people who have a compassion for the poor, who are prepared to go out and help in the, in the cold nights for the homeless. Surely. That's the only two things we're asking today. But most importantly, God, will you take this pole <laughs> and use it for your glory? Band, will you come up, please? On the 27th of November... On Sunday night, we're going to be gathering again. And last time we said, come with your dreams. And this time, we're going to be saying, come with your talents. I'm going to go, bring them for the glory of God. Can you sing? Sing for the glory of God. Can you serve? Serve for the glory of God. And who knows where God will take you on the journey. All I do know is this. When you go... God says, I will go with you. If you go, I will go with you. And that's my 30 minutes up. This place is too small. This place is too small. But God's just not going to fill it with a miracle. He's spoken to me really clearly. Make this place a refueling station, because the church needs to go out, needs to reach out, reach out in the highways and the byways, everyday life. Our company of part of the company of dreamers, believing for divine connections every single day, believing you'll meet someone at a party, and <laughs> just share Jesus. What do you reckon? Just a small prayer. Powerful though, eh? Lord Jesus, will you fill us up? Give us the courage to go and find our pole. Give us the courage to take the talent that you've given us to use for the glory of God. Some of us have got two, some has got five, some has got one, but God, help us not just to bury it, but to utilize it for the glory of God. Amen.